This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning. I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Thursday the 7th of December. In your squiz today, a US link to the Weambilla attack, the NDIS gets an overhaul, preparing for heat waves and a cyclone, and a Christmas miracle. This is your squiz today. Claire, the first anniversary of the Weambilla police shooting in Queensland's Western Downs region is next week. And it was back in focus yesterday when Queensland police, counterterrorism officers and America's Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, announced that they've arrested and charged a 58-year-old US man in connection with it. Yeah, so just before we get into the details of that, I guess let's just go back over exactly what happened almost a year ago. Queensland Police Constable Rachel McCrow and Matthew Arnold were the two officers who were killed on the 12th of December last year. They were ambushed when they visited that property as part of a missing persons case. There were two other officers who managed to escape, but a neighbour, a guy called Alan Dare, who came over to check on things after hearing noises, he was also shot dead at the property. The husband and wife, Gareth and Stacey Train, and also Gareth's brother, Nathaniel, were killed after a six-hour standoff with police, and it was later revealed that the trio had planned the attack. It was linked to their Christian fundamental beliefs. And that's where US man Donald Day comes in. Queensland Police Assistant Commissioner Cheryl Scanlon said that Gareth Train connected with Day on YouTube years prior to the attack. She said Day sent messages about Christian end-of-days ideology to Gareth and Stacey, and he also allegedly made comments that incited violence in connection to the incident at Weambilla. Yeah, so Day was arrested in Arizona. That happened last week and he was linked to what they call that religiously motivated terrorist attack. Uh, he's been remanded in custody and the FBI is still investigating his motivations. For the Australian end of things, what Queensland Police said yesterday is that they've got a long way to go in identifying any residual threats posed in the community. What that means is police want to know whether Day all the trains were in contact with others here and whether there's a threat from that contact. The Weam Biller attack also got a mention during National Cabinet yesterday. It's agreed to introduce the National Firearms Register, which will see state and territory gun registers brought together into a national database. PM Anthony Albanese says the register represents the most significant improvement in Australia's firearms management systems in almost 30 years, and it will keep Australia's first responders and community safer. Speaking of National Cabinet, Claire, PM Albanese and the Premiers and Chief Ministers have agreed to a plan to get the National Disability Insurance Scheme back on track. They say the growing cost of running the scheme in its current form has made it unsustainable. Yeah, there's been quite a bit said about that in recent times and there's also lots of reviews happening about exactly how to rein in those costs. But at that meeting yesterday, what they said is that the scheme was designed to support people with permanent and significant disabilities. Uh, Where they've been questioning is how to support 
children with mild autism and developmental delays. So the agreement made yesterday is the states and territories will take back responsibility for those children. There was a bit of negotiating to do on that. The states only agreed to it after getting a $25 billion top-up to their GST revenue from Canberra, also some extra funding for their hospitals. And just while we're on governmenty things, the federal parliament has passed new laws to allow for the preventative detention of some of those released from immigration detention in recent weeks. That comes as a fourth man from the group that was released has been arrested and charged with a crime after being released. Claire, a big investigation is splashed all over the front pages of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age this morning. The former Sydney radio host, Alan Jones, has been accused of assaulting several men. I'm sure most listeners will know who Alan Jones is, but just in case you don't, he, of course, was one of Sydney's very biggest stars when it comes to radio. He was on 2GB and many other stations over the years. He had an unrivaled record when it came to winning the ratings he had a really big listenership. He also was an advisor to prime ministers in the past. Uh, he also was the coach of the Wallabies. So he's someone who has been part of Australia's public life for a long time. What these accounts in those newspapers this morning say is that a former employee of the broadcaster 2GB and also other men, including a waiter, a businessman and a singer, each say that Jones touched them without consent. The accounts published this morning are very detailed and the men talk about their fear of making an official complaint to their employers or to police because of the fame and the power that Jones had. Yeah, in fact, one of the men said at the time that it happened to him, Jones was more powerful than any prime minister. For his part, Jones's lawyers say he denied the claims and that the suggestion he was involved in any alleged assaults was scandalous, grossly offensive and seriously defamatory of him. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. As one of Australia's largest profit-for-member super funds, they have a range of helpful tools, like their My Retirement Planner, which allows you to see how much you'll need for retirement and provides an easy-to-understand plan of how to get there. And better still, it's free for all. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au. It would almost be easier to list off the parts of Australia that aren't going through a major heatwave this week. It's forecast to affect two-thirds of the country, mostly central and northern Australia. Oh, Alice, when you look at the maps from the Bureau of Meteorology, (laughs) there is a lot of bright red going on. It is set to be a scorcher. Uh, A three-day heatwave warning has been issued and temperatures are tipped to hit 40 degrees and above in quite a few spots. Um, Outback South Australia and New South Wales are expected to cop the worst of it. But before you start thinking that it's record-breaking stuff, um, meteorologists are saying it's not that unusual. It's just a bit of a shock to the system, given that it's the first heatwave of summer. And if you're living on the Queensland coast, it's time to dust off your cyclone plan. Tropical Cyclone Jasper is brewing off the coast of the Solomon Islands. It's expected to ramp up into a Category 4 cyclone tomorrow. That's a strong one for anyone who doesn't know. And it could impact Queensland next week, although it's too early to know exactly where it's headed. 
If you hear a lot of the festive classic rocking around the Christmas tree this year, it's probably because Brenda Lee's hit has taken out the top spot on the US Billboard Hot 100 chart. It's only 65 years since it was first released, Claire. (laughs) Yeah, there's been a bit of a campaign to get Brenda Lee to the top of the charts and she's achieved it, so congratulations to her. As you say, 65 years on. Um, It's recorded a 30% surge in popularity this year. Look, we're just at the start of December, really, so who knows where it could go. It's all thanks to a big TikTok campaign and also a new music video that features Lee. If you're trying to do the maths on her age. I'll give you a bit of a hint. Um, <laughs> she was a child star and she was only 13 years old when she recorded the song back in 1958. Um, it made it to number two on the charts before, um, but really in recent times it's been beaten by the all-conquering Mariah Carey, <laughs> All I Want for Christmas Is You. Yes, yeah, time to have a new one, I reckon. And while we're talking about singing powerhouses, Taylor Swift has won Time's Person of the Year. It called her a source of light in a divided world. Yeah, hasn't she had a huge year? Squiz the day, Claire. What's on today? Look, I reckon one of the things that we could put on Squiz's agenda today is to let us know if you've got a topic that you want us to cover in our final Squiz shortcut of the year. We've got one spot open, so that's next week's shortcut. If you've got something that's on your mind in the news that you'd really like us to unpack, of course, Squiz shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. So if there's something that you'd like us to explain, please let us know. You can do that by email us at hello at thesquiz.com.au or if you're listening on Spotify, you can pop a response in our episode Q&A box today. And that's us done for today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.